0: Is the Schaefer Baseball Report an inside look at America's pastime, from little league all the way to the big leagues? Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. So
1: welcome everybody to number seventy-six of the Schaefer Baseball Report. First mention is going to be to EA Sports Fields, at Ian Angel Busque, that built their complex uh, up on the west side of Charlotte and have done amazing jobs for fields across. North Carolina, South Carolina, the bill fields across the country, um, the best in the business. And uh, we want to thank them for all they've done for us and, and to, be, uh, to be the sponsor of the Schaefer Baseball Report. So, um, EA Sportsfield. What's their, what's their website, Andrew? EASportsfields.com. EASportsfields.com. All right. So, I got on the plane the night after New Year's Eve. So to New Year's go, Day. New Year's Day to go to Nashville, and I got off the plane and got the Uber and went to the hotel and nobody was there because I booked it a day early.
2: That's smart, dumb man. Get in there, get comfortable. Yeah, so that's I, that's totally
1: your sleep. style. <laughs> <laughs> that's my style. That's exactly that's exactly how it was uh, it was planned out because I told I told Andrew's mom that like booked it. You know, months ago to get it, you know, get it prepared. And I, I guess whatever I was looking at was wrong, or maybe I just didn't read it right. And and there I was, all by myself in this grand old Opry Gaylord Hotel or whatever. That place is unbelievable, though. Have you ever been there in Nashville?
2: No, I I've only driven through Nashville ever. I've never spent any any time there.
1: I never go downtown. I'm you know I just I stay. It's like when I go to Vegas, I stay in the hotel. I never come out. You I, scared? You know, no, I, I go to the pool. No, I go right to the tables. You know, and then so you know, we have a hotel like that. You get all kinds of different restaurants. You know, there's entertainment going on. You know, I just I just didn't feel like you know getting in a cabin going downtown like a lot of guys did. There were seven thousand coaches there. Were any of them good? Uh Not many. No, <laughs> no. We so we I listen. It, it, it's interesting because when you get there. And obviously, everybody that's there loves the game. Otherwise, they wouldn't pay the money to go there and 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 participate in all the presentations and you know walk the show and see all the different products that that are being you know you know put out there for you know twenty twenty. Now that you know, then you have the products that have been there since every every year I've gone. You know, the same things are over and over and over again. It's it, it's pretty wild. But the whole you know the whole you know the products right I, I walk these these aisles and i and i man my heart goes out to some of these guys because they pour a lot into it right they pour a lot of resources into it financially emotionally all this design all this other stuff and they're just sitting there for three or four days like nobody stops and talks to them you know and you, and you walk by them you kind of like turn your eyes away real quick <laughs> so you know you don't uh you know, I mean, you don't want to make eye contact with because because, you know, as a baseball guy, the products that are up there or that, you know, that you're darting past are not really viable. You know, they're not really practical for... What we're trying to do?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's, I mean, the 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 T is probably the greatest, greatest, invention, the greatest invention ever. Invention. I mean, how much it's like can the you mouse do trap? To, you know, somebody tries to reinvent and flip it over so it's hanging upside down, and you know, doing these different things. But I mean, it's pretty simple. It's a ball and a bat, and you don't need a whole lot of other things to to fix that.
1: You're right. I mean, they were they were all, the T's look like. Like these mics here, different angles, <laughs> different whatever, upside down, this way.
2: Oh, you can move it inside and
1: outside. Oh yeah, and you can move it and here, and move it there, and then you know. So they they do. And they forget
2: thing. that you can just use your toe and slide it over. Real that's quick. it. Yeah, they have it sit the ball on. I this hundred fifty dollar
1: podium to put it to sit on. Come on. But people will buy it for a period of time, and then they'll uh, and then they'll you know then they'll shoot it down. I mean, nothing. I, it's just very few products have a life in this game other than a fungo, a tee right fongo a, tea, uh, and netting. a, bat, a batting cage and netting, a netting right <laughs> and, and a lot of baseballs and you have uh, you know you're in the market if
2: somebody can show me a leather baseball that'll last that, that that'll be the richest person in the world
1: <laughs> so some so most of the products now i don't say most of them, a lot of the products a lot more each year are all technology based
2: yeah app, the, you got the app oh. side of it and then you have the technology side of it you know you were you were we were Talking before the show about uh, the uh, the Hit Tracks yeah. and, the, and the TrackMan and the Rep Soto mm-hmm. and, the, and the, these different technology pieces that have come out in the last several years that have been available to the, the general public, really. And, uh, you, you know, now we're starting to see a lot of that pour onto the secondary market, especially the high-end machines. Sure. Uh, but what was it twenty thousand dollars? Twenty-four
1: thousand dollars for a Hittrax, yeah. and then eight thousand dollars for a Rap Soto.
2: And I mean, the technology is amazing, but it's kind of you know I, I look at it the same way as like buying a TV. You know, if you if you yeah. buy the first the first year I did that the that. flat screen yeah. TV came out, ten <laughs> K paid ten thousand dollars. I did that. And now you could go get one at Walmart for you yeah. know two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. You know,
1: fifty two inch
2: or whatever. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think that was my education on all this stuff, buying a flat screen TV when they first came out. You know. Like holy cow, man! I got like a movie theater. I'll pay ten grand for a movie theater in my house. Oh, and, and I, you, know, it's, you
2: know, it's like buying a used car now. You yeah. know, it's like I, I'm going to get a, a two-year-old car and not pay the the, the sure. up, uptick on it. Because the biggest thing with all those things, I mean, they're everything can be used. Yeah. Everything that you saw can be used. There's a use for mm-hmm. it. But you know, coming from you know from our side of it, you know, if we're going to bring something into the building to use, how can that help us make money?
1: see how can that right. how can we when you're monetize on the business side? that right you have to monetize it so when i'm walking around i get literally four different people saying hey you want to buy my hit tracks like i want no part of that you know because how do you monetize twenty five thousand dollars in a yeah. in a training facility i That's saw one i time. saw one
2: on um, on the facebook group that we're in and it was at uh it was for 12 grand and yeah. it was two years old 12 yeah. grand so yeah. half the half the half the depreciation cost,
1: yeah, and the repsoda yeah. was half. Yeah, so too. the other part of all this information, all this technology and stuff coming out, like the majority of guys there are baseball hearts, right? They're not mm-hmm. really baseball coaches; they're coaching, you know. But they don't have the pedigree, you know, to to really how to develop a player and to teach them the right way to do things. So they get this information and they don't necessarily know how to use it, right? So they can almost it could be inverted, and what's supposed to be good for the player can turn out to be. Not so good for the player because they're teaching it wrong, or they're using the product wrong, or they're
2: overemphasizing. Yeah. Or they're
1: overemphasizing it, um, you know. So then, you, and then you see a different, you know, the, all these philosophy type guys, you know, like the the Hit Rebellion or the what are they Rebellion Baseball? I don't know. Well, they're they're this, you know, this launch angle tilt oh, go yeah, reinventing the, the wheel. All, oh my yeah. god! Yeah. So you know, so you, you know, you see that stuff, and it's 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 almost like okay, somebody's gonna go invest money into this for their for their kid or for their team and they're going to do more damage with this than, than you know what they're supposed to be because that
2: one, that one technique may work for 3% of the kids right and then you're going to teach but you're going to teach it to 100% of kids
1: yeah you know
2: it's like a, and when I saw I saw a video recently and the guy was doing that and he had the you know the PVC pipe and he, and he doing, hit the T I saw that part too oh but my. I, I mean the first thing I thought <laughs> that when I'm watching that is like when he starts going to the angle I'm like that looks like one of those guys that does long drive stuff yeah like, he's just trying to bomb the ball as far as, right. as he can. And you're like, you know what's funny? you never seen those long guys, long ball guys on the on PGA the Tour. tour. <laughs> you never seen them on the Tour, no. <laughs> they're just out in the desert, no. you know, in, in Nevada, yeah. you know,
1: trying to hit golf balls. With a towel know? around their neck, uh, sitting on the chair, waiting for their next Oh, guy. by the way, those guys are jacked. Oh, my God, they're jacked, <laughs> yeah. So they got all the, uh, all the high-tech flex drive shafts and super but it's extra But it's just taking yeah. a little
2: part of the game, and then it's overemphasizing it. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you need the whole player. You don't need just...
1: Right. You know. So what is, so what is that? What is, you know, if we take that analogy, right? And that plays to the, to the non-golf guy, like, like, like golf does. Yeah. Right. I mean, he's just going to go rip and maybe you hit into a target and people get excited when they top a ball <coughs> and it runs into target and they get points. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, there's no, it's not really a sport. It's a recreation. Right. It's a game. It's a it's it's, a it's game. not a sport. It's a game. It's a game. It, it, it's a game. So, but there were you know there there were some some really um, like I love the fungal man and we're we're gonna get the fungal man and I, w- I was hesitant for years to do that, you know because of the the price of it, you know but and I've tracked it over time and I've talked to guys like Trent Mangiero and people that have that have used it and had it. I know Petty with the he's got two of them. You yeah, know, Old, Old Dominion had a couple. Old Old of Dominion. I mean it's you know it it. it For us, that has only two coaches on the field at a time, you know. I mean, that stuff is is valuable. You can use it because that machine isn't, you know, saying this is how you feel the ground ball, this is how you swing a bat. It's presenting the things that you need to be. And with the right spin on it too, which is an important thing. Right.
2: Just as a tangent off that, like, I there's a lot of fungo bats out there. There's not a lot of good fungo hitters out there.
1: No, and you're a fungo master.
2: <laughs> there are a lot of guys that hit top-spin ground balls yeah. that, I mean, there's, you know, you see all these gadgets. You know, some of the gadgets oh, right. out there are like tennis racket-looking things for guys yeah. to hit fly balls with because they can't square up a baseball with a bat.
1: a tennis racket used to be about this big, didn't it? And then it just kept yeah, getting, getting, bigger, getting bigger and bigger, bigger. and bigger. now yeah. it's, you know, it's like a...
2: Bodor, a couple of the, a couple of the coaches I uh, I do uh, Grady's ninety team with they yeah. they uh, they have the the racket thing and I mean uh, I I make fun of those guys and they yeah. they get it and they they're like whatever they're just guys out there doing it but it's like there's there's a market for some of that stuff man you mean
1: <clears> you <throat> mean hitting the, hitting the fly balls yeah, with the, yeah, with, with, the, the with the racket oh yeah because you're you know I mean so when did you become a good fungo hitter once you got into pro ball I would assume because I never hit that become, fungo before that become that. see and that's that's you know if you ask some of these kids that are taking all this BP like I grew up throwing rocks in the air and swinging sticks at. And I could hit pebbles when I was a kid. I mean, it was, you know, I don't, I look back now thinking it was, I had to go outside and they'd gravel the road and I'd get a big pebble and, you know, you'd whack away. You'd take a BP. That reminds me of a story. Let me finish, finish. All right. So, but now if you ask a kid to go in there and throw the ball up in the air and and hit fungos, not a chance. Very few people can even throw a ball. And that's how we played self-pitch. The wrong hand fungo all the time. I see that All the
2: time. All the time. And they don't know where to put their free hand. When uh, when I was uh, when we moved out to California, they had put a sub- they were putting a new subdivision in around our house so the existing right. neighborhood and they had all those those little stakes those little skinny mm-hmm. stakes that they drive in with the you know they had orange tape on the top and right. you know they're lining out all these different things my brother and I must have used 200 of those things hitting rocks over there oh, yeah. in the subdivision I mean they were just these little you know quarter yeah. inch by inch inch wide things and you had to learn how to hold it you had train to in your to hands train
1: in your eyes you know I mean you're going all through that stuff and now they're trying to take all this to you know to the to the high level stuff. so but part of a pitcher in the minor leagues is to hit fungos, and some guys love it, and some guys hate it. You know, what I mean, because as infield I want to take as many ground balls as I possibly could, put myself in as many situations as I could before every game. I would do, I would literally some days take 150 ground balls before a game, take 50 at third, 50 at short, 50 at second, and have somebody go, "Okay, I need you to hit me 150 ground balls." That's a lot of work, dude. Here's what, here was, here's
2: my. This is, I schemed it, I schemed it so that I could, I could didn't have to stand out there as long shagging. I would hit the first two groups, which were always the infielders, right. and then the infielders would hit in the last group. Last group, John was tucking his tail and head to the dugout, <laughs> and I'd go sit in the clubhouse. I'd go sit in the clubhouse, so you don't know, a shag, guy. but I would go hit. Well, I mean, if I could get out of shag, I mean, yeah. I shagged. I've shagged as much as anybody in the world, but anytime I could I could get that one group off even just one group I'm like, yeah, I'm doing
1: it man. Yeah. but
2: I hit a thousand fungos and Snitker the the Braves yeah. manager When I was in a balls when I really started hitting fungos a lot And I had to wear a batting glove because I was getting a blister yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I would hit I was hitting fungos and I was just hitting throwing it up and wrapping it out there to right. the guys and, and you know one of the things he was telling me is you don't want your infielders on their heels, man like, right. you've got to hit the ball the right trajectory so that it mm-hmm. lands and skips and they can play through the baseball. Because right. when you're out there pitching, you don't want those guys on their heels. Man, you go out to these 10 you know, go out to a 10 skin infield, right. and then you got Dad up there just wailing on balls with topspin on mm-hmm. that stuff, and mm-hmm. you're just like, there's a reason the kid has terrible fundamentals. Right. Like, he's petrified right now because every <laughs> ball you hit, the third hop is at his, it's, it's coming up at his face. Yeah, <laughs> No control. But, yeah, that was Snipker's best
1: advice he ever gave me. It, it, listen, it, it, to me as an infielder, I, I'd find the best guy. You know, that could move me around and do certain things instead of the guy like saying just sitting back and hitting easy, weak ground balls that I can catch all day long. That big, unathletic. Oh yeah, just he's just you just, know, just... like here comes a fifty hopper at me, boom, 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 and then you then know, a scud, And, and, you, you and know, then and, a scud on yeah, the next and out one, out of nowhere, you know, <laughs> but you know you need the guys that have the ability to challenge you and you just we used to play for cokes you know sodas all the time and you, know, you can to hit me 10 move me all over and if i miss one i owe you a coke if i don't you know so the you know the the guy that can that can definitely challenge you um so the fungal man was a great you know it it's been a great tool i've watched it over and over and over again You know, I know Rami Kujan. That that's a president. We played against each other in the minor leagues, and he had. It was one of those products. And I asked him when we were there, and I said, at some point, you had to just go like, "What am I doing?" You know, like, "Why am I trying to push this thing?" You know, so hard because you couldn't be selling a bunch of them at fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars. And but he hung in there, and uh, you know, it's uh, you start to see it everywhere, and you start to understand that you know, it's a practical tool.
2: Yeah, I mean, stuff like that, the hit tracks and the uh, and the funga man, like. Honestly, you have to start at the professional and collegiate level. Like you mm-hmm. don't work your way up with those things. Right. You know, it's not going to it's not right. something that starts organically and just, yeah. you know. It, you have to you have to get some of those programs on board because, you know, you know, a division one program is going to have that in the budget where they can spend some money on some stuff like that. And now you see it out there. But, you know, still even with the fungal, man when you're talking about it, it's not something where you look at it and you're like, "Okay, we're going to be able to monetize this." No. You look at it as no. we're going to be able to put on a better quality showcase, right? It's you know, or practice, right. yeah, or practice, yeah, practice, or practice or
1: showcase develop. That. Yeah, yeah. You have to, you know, you got, you got to keep. Uh, there's, a, there's a lot of times, you know, when you don't have machines like that. You know, we use machines quite a bit in here. You know, we have the Atex and you know for ground balls because we can get a lot of reps that way. Consistent, consistent ground balls, right, right. So you know, but outfielders never get enough. You mm-hmm. know, in my opinion, they don't get enough. Because, you you know, you hit the—even when we go to showcases, right? You know, you hit them four balls, and then you, you know, go sit Algeria down. All
2: f- can really measure it, in that kind of environment is arm strength. I yeah. mean, you, you know, you you can hit a ball—you can hit a fungo out into the gap, and they can go run it down, and that's great. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, they it's not emphasized enough taking live fly balls during batting practice, like seeing the ball crack the bat and moving off the ball. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't help if you get a bunch of crummy
1: hitters in there— that only you know, rat balls pull side all the time, right? right. You know, so you can do tee drills with that. You can set up tees and put guys up there just to just to hit you know ground balls and react off the bat. Mm-hmm. I know Dusty Woffin does a drill um, with the Phillies. We went down a couple of years ago to uh, to spring training and. He has a guy just kind of soft toss him right in front. He has his infield set up, you know, and it's because it's going to come off the bat different every time.
2: Yeah, Manzalino was the was the infield instructor. Yeah, I, I had Manzalino
1: when I was with the White Sox, and he
2: was he lo- he loved doing that with the infielders. Yeah. You know, you'd see him out there on the the, the small field all yeah. the time. You know, hitting hitting balls that are being yeah. hit to him, so that the guy couldn't sit there and just you know no. hang back. He'd have to he'd
1: have to read you know where he's making contact. And, and, it, it teaches it teaches guys to read hands and things like that. There's so many things that are being that you're taking these analytics, right, and you're talking about, you know, X amount of balls are going up this lane, you know, a, a percentage here and a percentage there, and then this is how you gotta get there, and you know, and it, it, it blows me away, because the little things, like teaching the guy to read hands, like, I, you know, I mean, the best <coughs> infielders in the game, one, they're athletic, we know that, two, you know, they, they're aggressive dudes, they're ready to go, they're ready to go make a play. But, you know, I played, you know, I, I had good range, you know, I, d- I definitely had good range, but I think my range was because I had first step quickness, and my first step quickness was developed for me being able to read hands. Because when guys swung and missed, their hands were going in a certain direction. I was moving that way before the contact. So if, even if even if the guy swung and missed, I was a step, you know, in, in that direction. So those are the things that you know that don't get taught, and I, you know, I. I don't want to say that they don't get taught because I, I, I've listened to Trent Monjero I've listened to Nate Trotsky, and those guys are on it, right?
2: You know, and that's almost something that you, you say you say taught, but it's almost more of emphasize because you, you 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 explain to them what you're doing, but you can't go out there and say this is exactly how I did it. You have to get out there and this is something. This is what I want you to pay attention to, so right. that you can continue to work on this and gain the experience with it, because that's what's going to. It's not going to be because I say a bunch of words. It's going to be because I'm pointing right. you in so the right when, direction. So when and you, you say taught,
1: you're saying you're sitting in the classroom telling you this is how you do it. You have to show them. It has to be applied. Right. 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 It, it, it all has to be applied. And I think you know that's when you start to listen to some of these guys. Like the, I listen to this infield, this infield group. And you know when I when I get there, I like to hang out with Trent Monjero He's a great baseball mind. He's a good dude. Um, and, and Springer. And Springer's just, you know, he's, he's just a knucklehead friend from ever. That's done a good thing. But he's got a mental approach to all this, and he's got a practical approach to all this. So Trent was speaking in this, on this forum, um, and they had minor league infield coaches. They had college coaches. They had high school coach, which Trent is, which in my opinion he was above a lot of in knowledge, above a lot of these guys that have been at different levels. And they're all talking about, you know, the mechanical, robotic type of play instead of the athletic type of play and the mental approach, right? So you know for me as as, as an infielder, I went through my entire youth as a second baseman primarily. And then I went to Maryland as a second baseman. Fortunately, I had a good career on that side of the field, you know, I made all ACC and you know all, all the stupid awards that you you know that come with being a you know a, an above <laughs> average player at that at that level. Then I signed with the Orioles. I'm a a second baseman my whole career. I played zero, zero shortstop, right? I go over with the Angels and um, they just asked me to go on the other side of the field one day and just take ground balls, right? So I think most of the reason that I stayed at second base as a kid was because I was smaller. My arm strength wasn't all there. You know, I never knew anything, but I knew the position. I played it well. I go over to shortstop and start taking ground balls. It was all natural. It all happened. It was all athletic, you know, and I was aggressive. And the other part was was that I'm over there taking ground balls, thinking they're not putting me over here to make me a shortstop. I'm just having fun. You know, I'm just going about it. I'm just gonna go. I'm just gonna go pick it and get rid of it. And I like you know, to
2: I like to field the ball and throw the ball. And just, I'm just gonna do it from right. over here instead.
1: And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm the everyday shortstop in Double A, and it changed my entire career because I moved from one side of the field to the other because that side of the field, is second base. Well, you second, can go back to the the other side all the time. But it's it's all harder. Day long. It's, it's
2: you know, it's like the infield. Yeah, at, at the youth level, if yeah. you. If, if, you don't come back to the infield no, nope. you know <laughs> stay no. in the infield dig no. your heels in as long as you can because right. it's e- it's easy to go back it's hard to come back
1: in right. so that you know the, so the, the athleticism was there um, and you know the re- relaxed approach to being when I first got there you know when I first went over there to take ground balls it's like what do I care you know I'm a second baseman I don't you know I'm going to come over here and have some fun maybe I'm just filling in for something you know whatever and then all of a sudden I I, 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 I become that that guy. In my first year, I made a ton of errors. My first year at shortstop, I probably made 25 errors at short, which is, you know, for me, was unheard of because I was always a 970 to 980 guy every single year defensively at second base, or even sometimes 990 in college. You know, I'd make one or two errors a year. And then all of a sudden, you, you know, your approach becomes different and you start to box balls and you start to almost go like, what am I doing wrong? What don't I know over here? You know, and then somebody came up to me and just said, dude, just be an athlete. Just, you know, be aggressive, be smooth, go do what you're supposed to be doing. So my point is these guys are not teaching the athlete to be the athlete, you know, like taking the mental part of it and saying, you have all the tools to do this, you know, just go do it, you know, and then we'll modify off that. We'll figure maybe we got to do a couple drills and it's not like, you know, first left step, you know, prep step, all this other stuff, you know, okay. These are are the keys, these are the cues, these are the words go. Mm-hmm. So when you hear those guys talk like that, those are the guys I'm interested in. But that panel, maybe one guy was talking that. Everybody else was talking about, you know, we got, you know, we got to defense these guys because the percentage of baseballs go over this way and they do this. And you, know, and, and, you know, they got to come up and they got to funnel and tunnel. And, you know, and all. I'm like, oh, my God, I couldn't, couldn't deal with it. But <laughs> I didn't listen to any pitching. I don't know for you. I mean, your greatest days on the mound had to come from feel.
2: Yeah, I did. I, Never it, mechanics. If I thought about mechanics on the mound, I was
1: done. done. I was
2: done. Right. I was a robot. Mm. I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. Right. I wasn't gonna execute pitches. Man, it's just when you get in there and you're locked in, and the catcher's throwing down the sign, and you're just wheeling back and going, you know, before the pitch, you've already thought about it. The catcher throws down exactly what you're thinking. When those days happen, it has nothing. It had nothing to do with was I getting my leg lift high enough? Was my separation all right? The time?
1: See, and that and that's what happens, and that's what's being taught, right? So then these. So the, for the, watching the infielders, I mean, that's my favorite part of the game, right? I mean, that's what I did well, so obviously would have to be. Um, is that's why the, you know, the Latino players are taking over, you know, and dominating the infield on us, because like you, you were saying earlier before the show, they just, they play and they're athletes, right? And then they figured out how to be smoother and how to go and, and just do it. They're not like cookie cutter, like, you know. So when we do our camp here, when I do the, the kids here, it's not all mechanical, it's all feel. You know, do this, do this, and I put them into positions to turn things and become, you know, taking these kids into athletes. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the greatest athletes in the game were pitchers.
2: Yeah. Well, the the, uh, the two words that come to mind are explicit learning and illicit learning. Mm-hmm. And illicit learning is for the athlete. You know, you give them parameters. This is this is this is the end result we want. Here's the starting point. Get there. Right. Explicit learning is <clears throat> step one, step two, step three, step four, and step step six, step seven. It's like, you you can't, you're not gonna be quick, you're not gonna be smooth, you're not gonna be consistent if you're sitting there. Thinking that while you're taking the plays, it maybe right. you know, and there's, and I'm not saying there's not a place for it at some point. If you want to break it down, you know, from top mm-hmm. to bottom, so that you can impl- put those drills in you place. You need
1: drills. You definitely you know, need hey, drills. Hey, maybe, yeah.
2: maybe you know, I'm not getting, I'm not as smooth in my backhand, or my right. release on my backhand is, is, you know, the ball's coming out, and I'm not getting anything on it. What can I do to clean that up? That's that's where you get into the weeds a little bit. Mm-hmm. But when you're sitting there, just in general, 95 percent of the time, you just want the kids
1: to be athletic, right? Well. It, 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 it was it was beneficial, you know, to hear that the things that we teach in here are we on target. You know, I, I got to sit, I got to spend time with uh, with Harold Reynolds and and Don Mattingly, right? And um, and to hear Mattingly talk about hitting, you know, as a big league manager now that has all these younger hitting gurus coming up, and they get you know they're all launch angle and all this you know, all these numbers and things like that. To hear his approach and his mindset, it was that, you know, he was different. He was a handsy guy. He was almost to the front side, and, you know, and he could snap the bad head, and Yankee Stadium was built for his power, so he, you know, he showed some power and great defensive player. Um, you know, but to talk about, you know, he, he, he discussed more mental approach because you can get the athlete to a certain point through drills, and once they're there, then it becomes maintenance, Right. And then the maintenance, just do it. Go. Because it's it's muscle memory. It's 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 mental. It's mindset. Um, but the younger, you know, we I heard too many not being able to teach that, not being able to do that. So you're talking about, you know, we talk talking about your mechanics. You paralyze yourself by trying to analyze, you know. The, the, the kid comes into the dugout and he says, oh, coach, what did I do wrong with that swing? Well, you freaking missed the ball, you know. I mean, you, you didn't hit the ball. What do you want me to tell you? You know, you, you're dropping your shoulder, you're going to do this because you're going to go out and you're going to, you know, you're gonna to try to process it in the next at bat instead of just going up and just barrel the ball up. See ball, hit ball. That's it. You know. See ball,
2: hit ball. We'll work on the tee to get, make sure to do as good as good a job as we can to get you in the right position. We'll get you, you know, we'll get you your flips and we'll get all that stuff so you can get in position. But once, once, once the game's on, man, you've just you've got to go out there and just do it. Right. You can't sit there and you can't you can't have those thoughts. And it it it's all the positions. You can't sit there and have those thoughts. You can't. Think about if you're a catcher, you can't think about blocking a breaking ball. No, you know a breaking absolutely. ball is ready, and you, you, as soon as you see it, you know, you just have to sit there and go on on, on muscle memory, cruise right. control,
1: and let it happen. You can't. You know you're not gonna
2: you're not gonna think your way through at the speed
1: the game is played. You can't. But you've had to at some point train through drills and stuff like that to turn that into muscle memory, and then it becomes then it becomes maintenance. So one of the one of well, the well, the real...
2: trained trained is is a part of it. Right. What we train. And what we focus on are the things that don't come naturally.
1: Yeah, Those other a things, a,
2: a good majority of the stuff, though, for guys like us came from just just going out there and playing and, right. and, and just going along. And you kind of, you know, we didn't overemphasize anything specifically when we were younger. And, we, and then, you know, later on, it was like, okay, this is where I need to pick something up. But the other mm-hmm. stuff was just naturally there. I'm air quoting that naturally. Naturally. Yeah, and it's it's just right. a, it's just a product of going out there and, and participating and playing and hitting rocks with the with the stick yeah. and and doing those different things.
1: Well, even when these drills the these drills are put out there and, it, and uh, um, Stick and Ball TV is doing a great job. That was one of the things that I really enjoyed um, because they're going out and they're getting the better coaches and they're kind of filtering through all the garbage that you know that. People are trying to train in the, in the bad, the bad, um, you know, the buzzwords that are involved. Because a lot of it is, you know, it, if you say the right word and it can click and it can affect uh, a result, you know, in a positive way, then you use those. You use those. Um, they were they were phenomenal with that. But the training part, you always have to train the, the mentally as well as you do physically, right? If you just go ahead and you say, saying we're just gonna work, you know, like. This is step one, step two, step three. That's not that's not really incorporating the mental because the mental part of it is you're better mentally if you're relaxed, right? You're more athletic if you're relaxed. You're more athletic if you if you're relaxed. So if you're just going everything cookie cutter by numbers, you're not going to be relaxed. You're going to bring tension in, right? So, you know, you have to find you have to find those coaches and those people that have the abilities to to teach that. And you know, seven thousand guys there and you're listening to all these and you're listening to guys in pro ball too and I'm like really like I don't I never had coaches like that I never had mechanical coaches maybe because we didn't have the video or the technology or the access to data or all this other stuff but you know I just you know I repped out a lot you know I knew what I had to work on okay I need to work on backhands today you know challenge me put me stretch me out make me do maybe do something different or you know it whatever whatever it was you know you had you had you ended up having to challenge yourself these kids don't have that ability like you're saying we just went out and played and we just did right mm-hmm. and you got in the street and you figured it out you know now it's all you have to have a plan but it's all it's all cookie cutter you know, it's, it's, it's all classroom, you know, and I believe that, you know, some of it has to be classroom, you know, in terms of how you play the game and where things move and whatever.
2: Well, the classroom part of it, that's the, that's, you know, that's, we're not poo-pooing the classroom part of it. You know, that's, that's not what we're, we're, we're getting at here. Like the classroom part of it, what it does is if you can pre-pitch, if you can make your plan and then react Mm-hmm. Based off of information that you have in your head, that's that's what the classroom allows you to do. That that middle, between pitches, it allows you to see the pitch or or have an idea or make a guess, an a, you know an educated guess about what to do, and that's how you become quicker and that's how you become faster. You know, seeing the game, you know, understanding how to see the game before the game happens. That can, you can help kids in the classroom, to an to an extent,
1: right? You yeah, you, you're giving them thought process in between pitches. Yeah. And, that, and, that, and, that, and that's huge, you know. It's, I think one of the, one of the greatest compliments I ever got as a player, was from another player that said, "I never saw you take a pitch off," and that meant not just the pitch, but that meant in between pitch. You know, you're you're, you're preparing because, you know, you don't have, a lot of these kids don't have situational awareness, right? Because we just teach them this is how you feel, this is how you hit, this is how you throw. So you don't have game situational awareness where you're, okay, this guy at the plate doesn't run to first at a four one or three nine he's not the jet so i have the ability to do this i got a man on second base how many outs are there okay where am i supposed to be you know before this there's no anticipation there's no prep there's no situational awareness how many times during the games that we're coaching is like you know outfield go to second on a base hit outfield go to you know you're you're, i mean we're we're taking our knowledge and our abilities that put us at a certain level to go ahead and manage the game and put these kids in a position to win when if you just shut up It might not work out that way.
2: Yeah, no, you're you're right, and you know to an extent during games, you know you try to be as hands off as you can. There are certain things that you got you just have to step in and you know positionally move guys and stuff like that. You know we we've seen three (laughs) at bats with this guy, and he's you know backside on on everything, and you were going to move that guy because you know they're not they don't pay attention like that. So (laughs) So you're moving guys backside or or doing whatever you need to do. But once the once once it happens, once the ball is in play. I mean, you're at the mercy of, of, of what you've taught them in practice.
1: You know, there's over, there's over 12 million scenarios that can take place in a game. 12 million. Like, that's crazy, right? And we're in a game basically of anticipation, right? We're trying to prep as much as we possibly can for what may happen. But, shit, there's, you know, there's, there's 12 million scenarios in there.
2: I still have one that haunts me, man. What's that? Um, runner on third base, one out. Uh, I jam a lefty. Really getting his kitchen and uh, third baseman, catcher going over towards the dugout and I'm kind of trailing, wa- you know, you know I'm kind of just wa- not walking over there, but you know I'm I'm, I'm not going to be part of the play, so I'm watching those two guys go over and I may have been yelling, you know, you got room or something, but uh, catcher catcher makes the play and it was like great and. uh I'm standing there on the Nobody's mound. Nobody's covering and, I, I didn't go to home plate. And he tagged and tag no. went? Tagged and scored on it. And I was like, oh man, I almost got out of a jam and I just screwed myself yeah. by not doing that. And I was like, I never did that it didn't again. Didn't end the game. Did it, it was it, was th- did it win? No, it was like an, I was okay. starting pitcher so it was yeah. like the third inning. right? But, uh, probably the leadoff batter on third base. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's <laughs> funny, how,
1: funny how certain scenarios in the game don't, you know, they never go away. I remember I was in, in uh, instructional league and we were playing a playing, a, playing a, another organization it might have been the Mets or something like that. And, uh I take off it's it's a hit and run right and I bury my head and I hear you know and I can't find the ball so I just keep going and as I you know as I round third the coach is going back Back. So what do I do? Breaks. I run straight across the mountain to first base. I'm uh. standing there like, yeah. like yeah, I got this, right? But then I, I, you know, and that's part of what I teach now because that's a mistake that I made.
2: And I have seen, right? I've seen that scenario that I just, yeah. I, I just was explaining pop up maybe yeah. three or four times. And I'm yelling, I'm yelling, get the play, get the play. I, I'm even worried you're about, you're about you're the worried. pop up. I'm like, yeah, I got trying, post-traumatic trying redeem stress. Yourself. <laughs> get to the <laughs> yeah. play, get to the do
1: do that. But, you know, but, then, but those are through the experiences of the game. You know we teach and we make kids better because we take our mistakes right because everybody's going to make mistakes i mean we're all going to make i tell kids every day when we're in infield class i'm like okay here's the deal every one of you guys is going to miss a ball every one of you guys are going to throw it away okay if we're going to throw a ball away we're going to throw a ball away north and south because Mm -hmm. we do things right physically and mentally we're going to be online we're going to release the ball it's going to stay in the area of our target and we'll miss north and south. So if I go north, he can go up, possibly go up and get it and come down on the bag. If it's south, he's got a chance to, to pick it. If we start going east and west, so I get really, you know, I get, I get kind of demanding when it comes to, you know, throw and follow, glove side on a target, simple things like that. Because I've made those mistakes. You've made a routine play, you know. Like this is cake. Routine, boom, got this, let's get out of here. And then you sail. And I did that in the big leagues. I went through an entire first half of the season without an error. Like I was like, man, man, am I gonna get through the whole year without an error? And we're in Cleveland, and my daughter's godfather, who was my first um, roommate in pro ball, Rick Rembleak, I think you met Remy. He was official scoring for the uh, for the Indians. He had to give me the first error, so that's always yeah. <laughs> he's <laughs> like. But same thing, routine ground ball, cherry hop, just took just took enough off that I, lo- I lost a little bit of discipline, left myself open, sailed it up and out safety Mm -hmm. so it wasn't even like I sailed it or threw it in the dirt you know I mean it was just all I had to do is just do something three feet that's it three feet closer the guy holds
2: the bat or two feet closer the guy holds the back and
1: that that first era is the painful one you know especially when you go the distance you know and you're like every year that was my goal I always set goals were you a goal guy I I mine was walks I and
2: and I didn't have that goal early on my in my career but then I started seeing how the numbers worked and I was like they're gonna hit 265 off me yeah like the difference between my area being a five and being a two seven is gonna be just don't walk guys. Don't man. walk guys. Pound the zone. Get ahead of guys. Pound the zone. They're gonna hit what they hit off me. It is what it is.
1: When I was when I was in college, I had a white sweatshirt, right? So I had this brilliant idea. For <laughs> a couple things I did crazy. One one I used to like. I had white sneakers and I I painted it like the uh, Partridge Family bus. Oh boy. And I put Susan on one toe and Day on the other. That was my. <laughs> right so i had a, i had a sweatshirt a white sweatshirt so i started to write all the things that i wanted to do you know i wanted to hit you know i wanted to steal X amount of bases i wanted to feel this this is on my shirt so when i was down in my basement lifting in front of, you know i had a mirror you know that i would swing in front of, do whatever you know i could see these things so i'm kind of reinforcing in my head like this is what i want to be this is what i want to do well i wrote i wanted to hit 302 i would never hit over 300 right so instead of going oh, i want to hit oh
2: but you were lo- let me guess you were looking in the mirror so you <laughs> hit 203
1: 203 <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, dude, so it was the only thing on my shirt that had an X through it. Like, wrong.
0: <laughs> That's
1: funny. <laughs> it was wrong. But, you know, But again, you know, goals and, and 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 mental approach, like, those are the things that, you know, for a guy that had good enough to be like, even I went far from superstars, right? Like, you know, I mean, I spent eight and a half years in the minor leagues before I got a chance to go to the big leagues. And I thought, you know, when I went to the big leagues, you know, I made the team out of spring training, and then I got sent back down with the, you know, with the White Sox, and then I came back the next year with, uh, you know, with with Seattle. But you know, I was I was always always felt like I was, I knew I had the ability to do what I needed to do. I knew I could be the guy on the field that wasn't going to hurt the team. Right? And I could have a day somewhere or a couple days in there at the major league level that would help a team win. At the minor league level, I would help a team win every day. Because I was playing every day, whether it was defensively, offensively, whatever. I felt like I was always going to have a chance to do that. But at that level, I felt like I was, I was built better mentally. I mean, you, we had to be, right? I mean, if you're not, if you're not that dude that can just take a, take a bad day and you know, not feel the best and whatever and go out, you better be strong between the ears
2: yeah I mean you know as a pitcher in the minor leagues I guess you know one of the things is you know you get into roster short rosters you know you get rain day you know you don't get a ton of rain days you don't get a ton of days off so it's important for you to eat up your innings and one of the things that I took pride in was on those on those days you come in and your bullpen's been you know you played 14 innings a day before and you know you're short on the bullpen and going out there and getting that sixth inning in, you know when shit was going wrong-hmm
1: yeah, it's, it's listen. It's, it's a podcast. <laughs>
0: well, that's what happened. Yeah, he goes.
1: We're not poo pooing on the classroom, but when shit goes wrong, <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, when things are going wrong though, and you're and you're able to, uh, you know, maybe it doesn't help you win that ball game, but maybe it helps you win the next day, or, mm-hmm. you know, things right. like that. I, I had a game in. Um, we had a doubleheader. We were playing the Royals when I was with the Tigers, and uh, they scored. Twelve runs in the in an inning and two thirds to start the game off, and I mean it was like okay, we got eighteen innings today too. Right. So I mean we're rolling pitchers out there, and I had been come up from AAA, and I was throwing maybe one and some change, an inning and some change mm-hmm. in AAA, and I went three and two thirds in that game. And I mean I was you know at the end of the second inning I was like I'm done, but yeah. I mean there's no we're not going to win this ball game. I'm already out of the next ball game. I was like just leave me in there. I'll finish. Yeah. I'll just finish it off right here. And then freaking Bonderman goes out and throws a complete game.
0: <laughs> I was like, I went, I, I saved the bullpen. Yeah, I, I was yeah. like, I
2: saved the bullpen, and that that feeling and lasted then, for about an see. hour. And then Bonderman goes out there and throws a CG Forgotten. shutout, and I was like, oh, Forgotten. they didn't even need it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it didn't even matter. But, you know, you you, you see that you see the you see the mentally tougher kids, but there's not as many as there used to be, and. um... You know, those are the kids I like. I like to coach. Those are the kids I like to manage. That you know, they just they, they dig down. They're diamond rats. You know, what I mean, they they just they get in and they're they're all about the game. And you know, it's even even to the point where they're irritating at times. Yeah. You know, but you know that you know, they're out there to compete. They'll fight if you have to fight. You know, and it's,
2: I think you know what I think. I don't think you're I don't think you're 100% right. I think there are as many kids out there. Dude, what are you there. talking about? <laughs> but I think that here I mean I think that we have we we've seen it so we know we already know which ones they are. When we were kids, we didn't right, always know right. which ones they were. Right. You know, we didn't yeah. know who was going to have that yeah. Now, you know, you see these kids and you can see trends and, and yeah. tendencies from certain kids and you're like, that kid's got it, man. Yeah. He's got it, you know, whatever whatever that is. Yeah. Like there's something he's willing to fight for that we can't see. Right. Um, and, and I think we just we have the experience now where we can see it. We can see it better.
1: And it, it, listen, by actions too. I mean, we see kids that come in the building when, you know, the building's wide open to anybody that's in our organization. The kids that take advantage of it and come in here and work. Mm-hmm. You know, they have an agenda. They want something, you know. So if they, have, if they, if they want something, if you want something, you got to have a plan to get it, right? So, you know, we can create a plan when they're in here. It's when they're not, when it's not practice, or when it's not something else. Like here's, here's, you know, you got to create your own agenda and you got to get after this. Well,
2: yeah, that's uh, character. What you do when no one's looking. Yeah,
1: you know, exactly. you see those
2: Devin Johnson, man.
0: Oh gosh. You don't love have to. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it's not, yeah. you know,
2: I mean, I love my dad yeah. and son coming in here and, and using the facility, um, but you really, you know, you really appreciate when you
1: see those those kids that are just driving, and they're using their time. How about and when? How about when his come grandmother in. comes in with him and puts the ball on the tee? Oh yeah, man. Like, hey, Grams. We go hit today. He's yeah, we get some flips. Get behind the get behind the Right, take your head off. Yeah, using <laughs> yeah. the machines
2: and stuff. Yeah, but you know when you see those kids coming in that are on their own, you know it's not you know it's not you know because yeah. dads yeah. driving them over, over or moms driving them yep. over. Yeah, it's like uh, this, is, this is where I'm. They're gonna
1: be here, out. man. They're, they're here. You know, just go down to my basement, you know, and, and, and throw balls off the wall, and you know, hit off the tee, and you know, and lift, or in, in your bedroom doing things, you know, squeezing hands or doing whatever. I mean, I like I said, I. I what were you doing in your bedroom? You know, squeezing the hand grip things. You said your bedroom, and then you started making weird <laughs> hand gestures. I don't. Yeah. Well. That's how you get strong wrists. <laughs> you gotta have, it gotta be hand, it gotta be strong from you, you know, from your hands to your elbows. So. Yeah. Total um, endurance guy. But yeah, you just do. You, you you always did. You know, you always did. You always stepped out and did what you had to do. Mm-hmm. You know, and it didn't have to have. You know, we didn't have these facilities. I didn't have this facility type of stuff growing up. I mean, you had to go figure out, how am I going to get better <clears throat> today? I, and, it, you know, here's the thing. I wasn't doing it either because I thought, oh, I'm going to be a
2: big league player. I'm going to be a minor no, league player. I, I was like, I want to be the best. I want
1: to, I want to dominate my 12 U little league, man. Yeah, Let's well,
0: go.
1: I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't think professional baseball until I got to college because I never just thought I had, you know, I just the same thing as you. I just wanted. I didn't want to be the guy not picked. So I had to be good enough to be on the field. And then when I got on the field, okay, now I can be something different. I'll tell you a quick story before we get out of here though, but as far as challenging people, right? You know, like parents have to challenge kids and they they don't let it happen as much as they should. You know, like we talk about USA Baseball. The beauty of USA Baseball is you gotta earn your way all the way there. You don't just get handed that. You don't write a check and say, okay, you're on a team. You know, you have to like, you have to get through the process Good or bad, right, it's going to get narrowed down to one team out of thousands of kids across the country. So my father comes into, wakes me up one day, and I'm probably 13 years old. He says, come on, Jeff, get your stuff, we're going. It's my stepdad, right, who was probably you know one of the greatest influences of my life. He said, well, you know, where are we going? He goes, you know, we're going to a tryout, okay? So I grab my stuff, get in the car, we drive off Long Island, we drive into upstate New York. He gets out of the car, he walks up, uh, he says, stay right here, I'll be right back. Window's down, I'm hearing him, you know, the coach is over there, he goes, oh, coach, I didn't realize this was like a 16, 17-year-old tryout. You know, and coach, oh yeah, you know, you know, we're trying out for such and such team, and he goes, you know, I just drove my son all the way from the eastern half of Long Island, do you mind if he works out with you guys? He intentionally put me in the car and drove me into that scenario and went out and said, hey, now go out there and do it. Now go out there and just, just go big, go hang, and you know, I was scared to death in the beginning, but you know, you catch the first ground ball and you go, you start looking around going, I did that just like that guy, you know, I'm I'm as good as this guy, or, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you know, I'm challenged, and all of a sudden there's success in my challenge, and then all of a sudden I'm hungry to even be better. Okay, now, at 13 years old or whatever, like, okay, I'm better than that guy, who else am I better than? You know, you'll have the illusion, like you guys from California, to us from New York, Oh, my God, the players in Florida, the players in Texas, the players in Arizona, the players in California, they're off the charts. We'll never, you know, we'll never be that guy. Like, if one guy off of Long Island made it to pro ball, like Tom Verizer was a shortstop for the Indians, like, before I ever got to the big leagues. And everybody on Long Island knew Tom Verizer's name. Like, every baseball player, because he was, like, the one guy. When Neil Heaton was coming through, Neil Heaton was the dude. Like, everybody knew who Neil Heaton was, you know. But everybody in California you guys had, you no, know. No, they fall off trees and Yeah, they were like, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like holy dude. So, but he challenged me and we got to that situation in high obviously. school
2: like I mean we like I mean like now in California like I see it around here now. Yeah. We're like, you know, at, at high school practice, you know, there'd be a pro guy over there coming to throw his bullpen in, you know, February, yeah. you know, for yeah. sports training. It was it was normal. It was normal to see a pro guy. There,
1: yeah. yeah, we are you kidding? we saw any pro guy was or you were even a coach? Or you were a scout. Or you were a bird dog. Right? Remember the bird dogs? Mm-hmm. Like, they weren't even scouts. They just, like, they made up their own cards and said, like, I'm I'm a bird dog. you like, oh, my God, I know that guy. And then I put his, you know, I put his name in my black book because we didn't have cell phones then. We had little books. You go, oh, this guy in big letters, Baltimore Orioles. like, dude, I got his number. Yeah. You know, I know this guy. I'll probably just call him up. I'll yeah, you know, his. whatever. You want me to call him? I know. He's, probably, he's probably working. I can't call him now. Yeah. <laughs> so, well... All right, good show, man. We appreciate it. I had a great time, like I said, at the, uh, the ABCA in Nashville. If you guys are coaches and, you know, get there and, you know, pick and choose. It's like, it's like panning for gold, you know. You, you, you dig that pan down in there and you sift it out and you find the nuggets that work. And, um, but it's, it's baseball people hanging around baseball people. Great products, great, uh, great beer drinking, nightlife, and, you know, it's, it's a good time. Amanda calls it a sausage fest. Like you know, oh, have fun with all your dudes. Seven thousand guys running <laughs> just sausage fast. So, but uh, we appreciate it, and we will do this. Maybe we'll have to do it. I'll have to call in next week because I'm going to be in Peoria, Arizona, at the Mariners Fantasy Camp. I think I'm going to video the whole experience and make it like my comeback.
0: Uh, yeah. Oh boy! Make it a whole
1: documentary <laughs> of my comeback.
0: No. Yeah, God. <laughs> that'll be fun. God.
1: Well, we appreciate it, man. Thanks, John. Thanks, Andrew. And uh, peace out.